You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. Tuesday, July the 11th, a lovely afternoon here in TW11. Yes, afternoon, we're a bit late today, my apologies. Tom was covering the desk the first half of the morning, he had to be called away, so I stepped into the breach mid-morning, just in time for a big story, not to break necessarily, but to certainly take a further development. Uh, Matt Chapman writing in The Sun this morning online, uh, revealing that Kieran Schumacher would take the ride on Oaks winner Soul Sister in Friday's Grand Prix de Paris, for which she'd been supplemented by her owner, Lady Bamford, and her trainers, John and Thady Gosden. Why is that particularly significant? Well, it seems to further the idea that Schumacher would take a much more central role in the Gosden outfit upon the retirement of Frankie de Tori. News which has been gently doing the rounds now for the first part of this year and was in print two or three weeks ago in the same newspaper, courtesy of of Jack Keane, from whom you heard on the podcast a few days ago. Cornelius Lysett is our guest today. Uh, Cornelius, um, it seems as though this relationship between one of the biggest stables in the land and one of the most uh, talented, younger, though not young, young riders is is going to be solidified. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the veracity of some of the stories in the Sun newspaper uh, around Britain in particular over the last uh, few days. Uh, For for those of you listening to the pod from around the world, it's worth Googling. I'm not going to get into it now. I'll probably end up being sued if I did. But there's been a news story that the Sun's been right at the centre of, which has caused plenty of controversy and quite a lot of scepticism about its veracity. I don't think there's any scepticism about the veracity of uh, this story. And you're absolutely right. Great to see reporters on the same uh, news organisations just getting into a bit of rivalry. Jack Keane, one of the relatively new reporters on The Sun, uh, um, is obviously very proud of the fact that he ran this story a few weeks ago, but now it's more solidified in the the paper today. But put all that to, um, to one side. Uh, people have been talking about this for some time. This is a this is a magnificent sporting story on the basis that people get things wrong, people do bad things, but they can sort themselves out and haul themselves up again. And if, as seems practically certain, uh, that uh, Kieran Schumach uh, is in the process of getting, they, they don't have stable jockeys at the Gosdens, but sort of preferred jockey for those horses that don't have owners that have their own jockeys if he does get that particular uh role as we think he will do it'd be one of the great redemption stories because in in well in 2018 he had a very bad fall uh he he bust some ribs punctured lung i think and then got quite down about all of that uh got into cocaine been drinking a little bit too much uh, as well and then and he spoke actually at the time of his relief of uh, getting caught over the cocaine uh, it was in towards the end of uh, 2018. He ended up with a six month ban. And um, instead of curling up and feeling sorry for himself and uh, et cetera, et cetera, he actually has uh, has gained much admiration by the way that he sorted himself out. He cleaned himself up. Uh, he, he talked about if he could be clean and sober, he had a belief that he could get back to the top. Uh, and he has done exactly that. Lady Bothorpe, 
uh, an important Group 1 winner at Glorious Goodwood a couple of years for him now. But this is right uh, at the top of the tree. And here is a, a youngish guy from a, a racing family. His brother, Connor, a, jump, a former jump jockey. His dad, Ian, was a jockey. His grandfather, Bill, Bill Schumacher, who with David Gandolfo uh, was a great combination of yesteryear. Uh, this the, he is going to be he is going to be potentially the most successful of all of them, and they've all been pretty good. Uh, and uh, yeah, if he if he is, as we imagine, getting that uh, top job with the Gosdens, uh, then that is a remarkable story and one for which we must take our hat off. And you miss one key Schumacher as well, his uncle Pete Peter, who's uh, the racing secretary, long time racing secretary at Clare Hay. And actually, I missed out. I missed out his great uncle Jeff as well, who was a jockey. So uh, you know, there's there's lot lots of there. It's a proper pedigree. If he was uh, if he was a yearling going to the sales, he'd make a few quid, wouldn't he? Now, clearly, this is a great opportunity for for Kieran Schumacher, and doubtless there will be more opportunities to come. For his part, John Gosson has said to the Racing Post, "It's pure conjecture." We have no retained jockeys here and have no intention of doing so. Someone asked me the other day if I'd be retaining a jockey. I haven't retained a jockey since William Buick left to go to Godolphin. Before that, Frankie in the 1990s retained jockeys are out of fashion right now. That's for an owner, not for a trainer. Um, but owners, of course, if you are in a, a stable like John and Thady Gosden's, they have to have uh, the confidence in those riders at the highest level as well. And clearly that's the case as regards... Um, Kieran Schumacher, who, as I said, is going to ride Soul Sister on Bastille Day on Friday in the colours of Lady Bamford in the Group 1 Grand Prix de Paris. Uh, Lady Bamford also has Random Harvest running the same day in another Group 1. That's the uh, Falmouth Stakes at Newmarket. She'll be ridden by Safi Osborne, more of whom in a few moments' time. The racing manager to Lady Bamford is Charlie Gordon Watson. I asked him, first of all, why the team had decided to supplement the Oaks winner for the Grand Prix de Paris, uh, an all-sex race over a mile and a half at Longchamp, rather than taking her to a more obvious target like the Irish Oaks or perhaps the Nassau Stakes. Uh, Glorious Goodwood, and here's what he had to say. We didn't want to go to the Irish Oaks, and uh, the timing was good, and if further down the road she might want to go back to Longchamp, that, you know, it's good to see if she likes the track um she hasn't run for a while she needed to run and it's 20 days to nassau and then another three weeks after that to, the, to york so it was a good fit um john thought king george this year would just be a bit tough with all those colts and um a hard race in the king george might have ruled out york so it, it time wise it was a natural thing to do I know there was not a single filly entered in the Grand Prix de Paris at the original stage, and it's very unknown for a filly to run in it. But um, it was, uh, John came up with the idea a few weeks ago, and uh, here we are. Uh, and lots of speculation about Kieran Schumacher and his future with the with the Gosdens. His first real big marquee ride um, is Lady Bamford's obviously pretty happy to to put her faith in in him on a on a kind of longer term basis. Well, I, I think it's, you know, John Goldstone's champion trainer and whatever he recommends, you, you go with. You don't argue with him, so you go from there. And it was it was very much his his call? Yeah, very much so, because obviously Frankie's suspended and any other possible jockey didn't really fit. And John wanted someone who knows the Philly and has ridden her at home. And Kieran has got a good record at Longshore, has ridden two groups. I think he wrote a group winner there for the Crispins as well. Anyway, and you know, Karen is 
he's he's a very nice rider. Good luck with the uh, with her. Random Harvest ran a, a terrific race at Ascot in the in the Duke of Cambridge. Goes to the the Falmer Stakes under under Safi Osborne. Do you think the filly is really improving, or or do you think that she's just been the recipient of a of a very good tactical ride last time? Uh, well, her last two runs have both been career bests. I mean, at Epsom, she gave four pounds to um, prospective voyage and was very close to her. And then at Ascot, again, she ran a career best. And, um, you know, considering she ran in the Phillies handicap at Ascot last year of 82, she's now 108. She's come a long way. And um, she, you know, she's only won two races in between a handicap at Ascot and the Group 3 at in uh, Milan, but um, you know the the earlier stakes of the disaster. She was fresh; she didn't jump the gate very well, and the ground was soft. It sort of it was a bit of a write-off, and then um, she really came back well at Epsom. All right, that was Charlie Gordon Watson talking about Random Harvest, and before that, about Kieran Schumacher's mount on Friday in uh, Paris. The Oaks win a soul sister. Big race Saturday is the Pertemps July Cup at Newmarket, the marquee European sprint of the season. At this day, Shaquille, about whom you heard from Julie Camacho on yesterday's show with Charlotte, is a short-priced favourite, but Azure Blue looks to have a good chance for trainer Michael Dodds. Here's Tom Stanley. Well, trainer Michael Dodds is, is with me now, and we can look ahead to Azure Blue running at Newmarket, Michael? Yeah, she's entered at York and Newmarket. Obviously, Newmarket's where we want to go. It's just we've got to watch the weather, I think. So, so that's it, is it? It's it's purely weather dependent. What are you hoping for? We just don't want it to go good to firm firm. I spoke to Michael Prosser this morning and they didn't get the rain that they expected last night. They only got about one and a half mils, I think. So, But he said it's, it is. There is rain due sort of Friday, stroke Saturday, so they could get rain. So. Mm. Um, just, we just don't want Jar in the ground, really. She's quite a big filly when she hits the ground, and you know anything easier would, would suit her a lot better. And the and the ground at York is going to be. Uh, well, you, you wouldn't have any fears about what it's likely to be at York. Well, York's gone good, but the, they haven't really had a lot of rain either. So, but mm. um, it, at the moment, it's it's easier ground at York than Newmarket. But I mean, I would guess we're probably going to have to just plan new market and hope they get the rain because obviously we'd have to decide on Wednesday about York so I think we'll be going heading hopefully heading to new market yeah and, and keeping everything crossed um yeah. just so reflect on the season so far obviously a win at new market different track and, and then York last time has she surprised you she's surprised how much she's progressed I mean she physically she'd done well over the winter um she's sort of stronger and we'd had a few little niggles with her, just feet-wise, really, up until her first outing. So I, I felt that we were going to Newmarket, knowing she was well, but I didn't feel I had a had a fit. Um, and she she ran well. She she did it well. And you know we knew she was a one for for York. It was just whether she could step up and take on the horses she took on, Highfield Princess. But I thought she did it she did it well and. You know, she travelled so well through the race and picked up, so she's she's a good filly. Um, I say look forward to hopefully running Saturday. 
And obviously those runs were, what, 11 days apart. She's had a bit more of a break since. What have you, what do you, what have you done with her in that time? Well, after, after York, we just went easy with her for a while and then, you know, built her up in a work puller and sat on her a few times and she's, she's in good form. We're, we're pleased where we're at with her. She's, we've had no setbacks at all. She's, she's, she's in good form, as I say. The, she's taken on some, some serious horses if she goes to Newmarket and it won't be easy, but she deserves the, the chance. Do you think the July course will, will suit her? That obviously, I know she's she's won there before, but the, this is Group One company. But you, is there something about her way of racing that, that suits the track? I think I think she she can finish her races strong, and I think it'll suit her. That'll it'll suit her at July that she's a strong finisher. Either the Newmarket courses, to be fair, yeah. but she does finish strongly, and I think that'll that'll help her. I'm going to make a sweeping over generalisation now that you're very good with these type of sprinting fillies, but. You do seem to bring them along that they, you know, she's a four-year-old now and, and, and she's done nothing but progress. Yeah, I mean, listen, we didn't, she didn't have a lot of racing as a two-year-old and, and she was left to mature and the owners were keen that we didn't overdo her. Um, but yeah, she, she has, I mean, I don't know, we, 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 we've been lucky with the fillies, although we've had some decent geldings as well, but uh, we're pleased where we're at with her and, and she, you know, she's in great form. Um, depending what happens on Saturday, would she have the pace for an, for an unthought, do you think? I did speak to the owners after, um, even to be fair, Newmarket, and I said, this filly, if we got slow ground, I said, I could see her at some stage coming back to five furlongs. Mm. Now, she, because of the way she travels in the races, so yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're not frightened to come back to five. Um, she's done it all at six, and that's a different pace the way the races are run. But I would like to see her sometime over five now, whether that'll be the non thought or it could even be something like the Abbey. But I, I definitely think we'll bring her back to five at some stage. Okay, uh, anything else at, at the weekend across the hundred different tracks that there's, there's racing that you're excited yeah, about? Got, we've got Tata still who who won at Epsom on Derby Day. He's in at Newmarket on Friday night. I thought he just ran, the track didn't suit him at Ascot in the, the sprint there. He, he just was, well, he's just too stiff a track, he's all speed. So there's a, for this type of horse, to be honest, he's an 89 rated three-year-old. There's no absolutely no races, so there's only, there's only Newmarket Friday night and then the, at the Goodwood Festival there's a three year old owner so that would probably be his two races and then Northern Express who ran well at Ascot he's in at York mm. um, Friday so look for, looking forward to seeing him run again and then just bits and pieces around Hamilton and places but yeah. uh, as I say the main ones are York and Newmarket Good stuff thanks for your time Michael all the best Great take care thanks a lot Michael Dodds there with Tom Stanley earlier on today. Michael trains as your blue in a bid to win the, the July Cup. And Cornelius, you know Michael Dodds very well. He's a man who who's made a habit of winning Group 1 sprints with fillies. Uh, and he's got another fast, upwardly mobile one here. Do you think she can beat the Cardams and the Shaquilles? I, I think I think Cardam's beatable. I, I, I think Shaquille... Shaquille is just one of the the real revelations, and so Asia Blue is going to have to be a similar type of revelation. But the that Duke of York Stakes form it looks absolutely rock solid, doesn't it? Just looking at the weather forecast for a second for Newmarket uh, over the next few days, I think there could be some rain on Wednesday, but then Thursday and Friday look to be fair, and a bit more rain on Saturday. But I don't think 
it's going to be the sort of rattling ground that uh, that Michael and team might be a little bit concerned about. And the the thing about the thing about him is when he gets excited about a sprinter, you know, you have to uh, sit up and listen. Here's here's a guy who once upon a time was a was a farmer in County Durham. He, he used to do the combining himself uh, during the summer. He used to go racing very much in the summer, but then the operation got bigger and bigger. Uh, and in recent years, it's become really successful with these sprinters. If on you look at the Racing Post website, you look at the big race wins after the stats. I, I, I looked at them this morning, and he's had plenty of good winners over the years, and only two of them, a Lincoln and a one-mile listed race, aren't sprint races. So he's got an astonishing record with Mabs Cross and Mecca's Angel and Eastern Angel and Comanche Falls and uh, Kay Amoro in the, the same colours, Northern Express, Gale Force Mayor. Uh, intense romance as well uh, and he obviously is getting pretty excited about this azia blue and um they they deliberately target this particular race and uh the horse as long as it's not rattling he said and i don't think it will be rattling i think he go the horse goes there with a massive chance cardem's got to follow up well uh, there's a possibility there uh but uh, i think that the camacho horse is the one that um that everybody needs uh, needs to be to be concerned about some people think he's very think he's very short don't they is it sort of seven to four 15 to eight that kind of price is that is that too short in this type of situation well um he, he did win that race at royal ascot in fantastic style and it looks as though little big bear uh is is only a sort of possible to take part yeah. so I, I think he's going to be hard to beat but as your blue is unquestionably on the up Big old jockey merry-go-round, haven't we? Um, Sha- Shaquille, it was James Doyle's ride until it wasn't because he had to ride for Godolphin and Asheen Murphy's ride, and Asheen Murphy is now banned Saturday. Uh, James Doyle, it looks as though he's going to be claimed by Godolphin to go to Ascot, so there's a ride there for Sha- for somebody on Shaquille. It could be Ryan Moore if Little Big Bear doesn't run, and he's only 50-50 to run at the moment. And on the basis that Jamie Spencer doesn't win his appeal that's going on at the moment, news of that tomorrow morning... In Ireland, after the Pretty Polly, we're still looking for a rider for Cardem. And it seems as though, and uh, Chappers has been busy this morning, um, according to, to Matt Chapman, that uh, Rob Hornby has been has been booked for that ride, last year's winning rider. So Rob Hornby will take the ride on Cardem. A ride in uh, other circumstances that you might have thought could have gone the way of uh, Kieran Schumach, uh, given his associations with that yard. But anyway, as things stand at the moment, it seems as though Cardin might be ridden by Rob Hornby. Just going to mention two other horses in relation to the July Cup. Uh, Emirationa, both at prices. Emirationa was well behind Cardin at, at Ascot, um, but um, finished sixth last year, ran in the race the year before as well. And that sixth place really um, got the get Emir, got Emirationa. Uh, going in the second part of 2022. So uh, I, I think that one's worth a consideration, as is uh, the runner trained by um, Henry Candy, Run to Freedom, ran ninth and didn't run badly at all um, uh, behind Cardem at uh, Royal Ascot and had beaten that horse at Salisbury earlier in the year. Uh, I think that's 25 to 1. Uh, we we had a slight delay before we um, came on to recording the podcast this morning, and I couldn't I couldn't resist trying to find. In fact, I found a bit of thirty three to one in the end. I think that one will run well at a price. Good good news for Ascot Racecourse. They've managed to turn their uh, COVID losses into a post COVID profit. They are on the way back financially. Hmm. They're they're pleased. The turnover at Ascot was over a hundred 
was 101 million pounds the turnover but that's clearly not profit 2019 the profit i think was 7.3 million uh, then they took the hit because of covid and uh, you know a lot of <clears throat> a lot of commercial uh, organizations have have really had to work hard to turn things around they're now talking about a profit so significant loss has turned into a profit of 3.4 million and I, I think they're they're talking about that could have been more but just the cost of everything is so much greater at the moment. But, you know, this great um, commercial organisation is definitely um, moving in the right direction. So um, uh, everyone at Ascot, as happy as they can be about that. But um, the, 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 the uh, spokesman for the race course uh, saying, you know, d don't underestimate how hard this is, how hard we've had to work at it and how challenging uh, the commercial situation is as well. So no one's um, sort of sitting back and being complacent about it. A couple of other bits of um, race course news. Uh, I, I see the, um, uh, I don't think you've talked, we've talked about it in the pod so far, but attendances in Britain uh, were better in, in May after uh, rather disappointing figures for, for April and March, but May was definitely better, uh, though not, not everybody. I think um, York and Cartmel were particular success stories during may the fact that the whole of the guinness festival was during may uh boosted uh, the um the numbers as well but chester and newbury uh reported slightly disappointing figures or um slightly in chester's case rather more disappointing figures for newbury in relation to that uh lockage um that lockage festival so um uh things you know thing things are challenging things are hard but if people work away at it, these type of things are demonstrating it, it, that they're, they're doable. And, um, you know, it's it's possible to to come back with figures that if, even if they're not absolutely magnificent, they're better and they're something on which to build. All right. Well, big landmark in Hong Kong over the weekend when Zach Purton and you'll have heard this teed up by J.A. McGrath on last week's show when Zach Purton broke the all time record. Uh, for amount of wins in a season by a Hong Kong-based jockey. And Tom's been talking to him and asking him uh, how he felt initially. Yeah, it was a feeling of satisfaction. Uh, job done. It's been a long season. I felt like I was buying the eight ball there uh, a couple of months ago and we had a lot of rain, a lot of biased tracks and a lot of bad barriers and it just felt like things were going against me. And uh, the opportunity might have slipped through my uh, grasp, but uh, the last sort of five or six weeks, things have turned around. I got on a, uh, a good roll, and I've been able to bang in multiple winners uh, quite quickly, and uh, they set me up and put myself into the position. And then uh, obviously it was just a matter of getting the job done, uh, knowing that I had a, you know the three meetings up my sleeve then to, to try and get the extra two winners. So. The odds were there, then uh, in my favour, it was a matter of just trying to enjoy the moment, taking it in. Um, you know, it feels good. Um, you, you talk about getting on a roll there. How, in, how important is that for a, for a rider? I think we talk about it a lot, about you know a, a rider riding lots of winners, riding with confidence, etc. Did you, did you really feel that momentum? Yeah, I think at the last six meetings, I might have ridden 20 winners or, or, or somewhere thereabouts, so... Um, you know, things were flowing nicely, the horses were running well, um, so that certainly helps and, and uh, it helps the run chase as well, you know, having such a, a large number of winners to try and ride and, and the meetings were starting to run out, 
Uh, it certainly helps when you can start the bang in those multiple winners. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's always difficult as well at the end of the season when it's hot. Um, some of the horses, they go over the top, their form goes off. So it's, um, it becomes a bit of a um, sort of knife edge. You don't, you don't know what you're going to get with them at times. But uh, you know, luckily for me, things uh, have worked out well. And, and how did it feel, particularly everything you know you, you guys have been through over there the last few years during the COVID years, etc. Did that all all add to the sense of satisfaction? Yeah, it's been another difficult season. We started the season with restrictions. Um, when I come back from our last off season, we had to go into the hotel quarantine before I could start the pre-season, and then into the season we had restric- restrictions. And all the way through December, January, I think maybe towards the end of January, maybe February or March, they might have dropped all the restrictions. So, um, you know, it hasn't been a smooth season as uh, they were a few years ago, but uh, we're out the other side of it now. And, um, you know, I think just uh, the stress of it all, having to do all those extra little things, uh, has made this season feel like it's it's been quite a long one again. Hmm. Um, the overall record is that is that realistic for you? Do you think? Listen, it's a possibility, and it's on me as to whether I want to pursue that. Um, I'm not that far off it now. It would probably only take me another season and a half to do that if that's what I want to do. Uh, I'll see how my body feels when I come back from this off-season and uh, this break and if it feels like it can go on and, and get me through to the end of this season then definitely I'd try and pursue it the following season but if I feel like I can't quite compete at the level that I want to uh, when I come back next season then that's, uh, it's, it's not going to be the be-all and end-all me. Yeah, oh, you're a young man, Zach, compared to some of the guys riding riding over here and, and and around the world. But but I guess it's it's how you feel, right? Is is whether you you want to be at the top of your game, don't you? Well, that that's true. You know, I'd, I'd prefer to to stay at the level that I'm at than to ride past my best. And also, uh, I've had a lot of success here in Hong Kong, so it's set myself up to be able to make the decision to to walk away if, if that's what I want to do. Hmm. I, I don't need need to keep going out there and and uh, do it to have to pay any mortgages off or put food on the table or anything like that. So there's not that aspect to it for me. Uh, finally, I take it you can watch every cricket match out there, can you? <laughs> uh, don't watch them all, no, but uh, I have been keeping track of what's going on. And uh, For your guys' sake, it was good that you won the third <laughs> test uh, and that the competition rolls on yeah we're taking nothing for granted listen good man well done over the weekend and um how you finish off the season well thank you well time for our regular tuesday bloodstock segment in association with weatherbees and delighted that weatherbees have put me in touch with claire manning this week who is of course daughter of classic winning rider kevin manning granddaughter of jim bolger and Claire, you join me now to tell me how it's gone since you since you went it alone, if you like. How has the last few years been for you? It's been absolutely brilliant. So it has. Um, the first year we started off by foaling, I think it was eight mares, and we had um, eight yearlings to consign. That was um, 2019. 
And now this year we fold over 30 mares this year and we're looking at between 40 and 50 yearlings to consign. So it's it's been going really well. I've got some support from some very um, great people in the industry. And yeah, it's it's gone from strength to strength, really. Uh, wow. So it's obviously busy, very busy for you. Was it was this always the plan for you, Claire, ever since you you knew what you might want to do, that you were always going to go it alone and set up on this sort of scale? Absolutely. Um, I spent a lot of time in some very good farms between Ireland, America, um, Australia and Japan. And I always fancied going out on my own. Um, probably came a little bit sooner than I thought. I was finishing up in Barodan, was kind of wasn't sure where I was going to head next. And myself and Granda had um, bought a few foals that, that December, or November in Goffs. And he kind of said to me, well, why don't you just chance it and see what it's like? So he kind of gave me the push, I suppose. And to be fair, with the support of himself and mum and dad, they've been great backing me and been very good. So it's it's worked out well. It's it's been um it's been a learning curve. Um, and were you encouraged, Claire, to to sort of to obviously you you know you're steeped in racing history and 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 the studs that you grew up on, if you like, were were some of the best places around. But were you encouraged to go abroad and to sort of to to to, to challenge yourself in that way? Absolutely. Um, I was working in Kildangan at the time and Clodagh Kavna um, and Joe Osborne really encouraged me to go abroad. They thought that Kentucky and um, Australia would suit me, do six months in each. And I decided to do a year in Kentucky and I went to Winstar. They very kindly got me in touch with um, Elliot Walden over there. And I went there for a year. And after that, I kind of just got the bug for traveling and, and wanted spending some time abroad. Um, so I did a lot of traveling and did the, the national stud course then in between. And I have to say, I don't think you can really go anywhere in this industry without traveling. I think it has to be done, you know, see the way everywhere works differently. And, you know, some of the places I saw the things that maybe don't work, but you also need to see that. And I mm. don't think I'd be in the position that I'm in and doing what I'm doing if I hadn't have got the international experience. And and I guess now, the you know, the world is that that mini pandemic aside is sort of getting getting smaller isn't it and 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 the fact that now I'm sure you're traveling around so much I'm sure you made some really important contacts there that that have helped you now absolutely that's the thing you know it's it's a big world but it's it's a small industry at the end of the day no matter how big we think it is it's very close-knit community and I think no matter where you go there's always someone there that wants to help you and no matter where you go I don't think I've worked on a farm abroad that there hasn't been um an Irish manager or whatever in the farms and I think everyone's willing to help and that's one thing great about this industry people really seem to go out of their way for young people and try to encourage them and I think if you show that you want to work hard and achieve something in this industry everyone's very willing to help you and and make that possible. Uh, tell me about the the stud now. Then what what's the, what's the sort of setup that you've got there, and and uh, and is it ever changing? So um, from January to to June, May June time, we are foaling mares. Um, we've quite a lot of mares that come in. Some come in to foal and board for the season. Others literally come in to foal and leave. Um, along with maiden and barren mares, we take them from anywhere. I've built up a nice clientele in England, and they send mares over to me. Um, I'm kind of their Irish base during the season. And then I suppose June's a little bit quiet. It's spent getting the place ready again, disinfecting, power washing, all the usual bits and pieces, painting. And then, you know, July, our, our Donny yearlings are already in now at the minute. And that kind of takes us up then to October time. And sure, once they go, we have our foals in and that takes us up to Christmas. And then 
you know, between the the sales finishing and Christmas, it's spent getting Baron and Maiden mares back in, getting them under lights. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's busy all year round, but we probably get two kind of quiet-ish times in June and around Christmas um, to gather our thoughts and, and go again. It still don't sound that quiet-ish. Is, is it a mixture of foals-wise, Claire, of, of, of foals that you've foaled there yourself and pin-hooked ones as well? Yeah, we have. Um, I've, I've pin-hooked. I have some mares of my own and then clients. So there's a bit of everything, really. The only thing we don't really do anything of is um, the national hunt end of things. I don't know much about it and I don't pretend to. We fold a few national hunt mares, but that's the only side I haven't really delved into. And it doesn't sound like there's a burning desire to do so on, or a necessity? No, I've been asked a few times this year about taking horses for the Land Rover and the Derby sales, but I just don't know enough about the the national hunt end of things and I think there's enough people there that do it and do it at a very high level that if I can't do it and do it properly I don't think it's fair to be taking clients horses and, and trying to do it mm. and results wise you had the the top lot at uh, Goff's Autumn Yearling Sale last year um, and then you had a, a a big sale at the the Scepter session at, at Tats a, a one million guineas sale tell us about those yeah Gonshoren was um in racing in Grandas, uh, Rory O'Quillon of Ennistown stud owned her and he very kindly rang me. I was actually over here for book one and asked me would I consign the mare? Um, how could I How could I say no? She was um, a brilliant filly. She, everything just went right and it was unbelievable to get the million, you know. I think everyone's trying to achieve the best for all their horses and then, you know, ultimately we all want to to get those massive prices and to get that, you know, within my first five years of consigning was just unbelievable. And j- just on that, so how different a process is that when you've got a a, 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 a raced two-year-old mare com- compared to a, a yearling going through the ring? Just to, what are you trying to make sure that, that, that you just have her looking the absolute best, the, the, the fittest, the muscled up, the most attractive she possibly can. And that's the same with all the yearlings or is it a slightly different process? Um, it's probably slightly different. Um, the race fillies, they kind of are anything in racing, you know, she, she finished racing in October and the sale was in November, the end of November. And she stayed in Grandas until she actually came over to Tattersalls and met me here. The lads had been cantering her constantly. So I never had to worry about how she was going to look. She was toned. She was fish. Um, whereas with the yearlings, obviously, we don't know their potential yet. Um, you're trying to balance feed with exercise. They're still growing. There's a lot going on with them. And I suppose you want them to look the best, but you don't want to overcook them either. See, it's, it, with the the yearlings, I often think it's you know mentally they've got to they've got to have the aptitude to go around the ring, okay. But I, I guess I don't think so much about the physicality. But you're trying to get them doing everything you can at home to get them as balanced and as and as and as good looking as they can possibly be. But like you say, not overcooking. Absolutely, like most of the the yearlings we sell, then you know they're broken. Some some people put them out in a break for maybe two or three weeks and other people go and break them straight away. So I kind of like to have them that they're ready for a saddle. They're ready to be broken. There's no hanging around. You know, I've done all the the donkey work to a point for whoever's going to break them, whether it be for the breeze up guys or trainers or wherever they might go um, and just kind of have have them ready for them. But like you said, not not to overcook them. You don't want them too fat, but you want condition on them because obviously they're babies at the end of the day. And when you travel, especially to England, it can take a little bit out of them. You want to make sure, you know, they're not freshing. There's there's so many elements to it. 
but I think um, with the yearlings, if if they've a good routine and you're consistent, I think that that definitely helps to keep the mind right. What does the the future look for you, Claire, at the at the moment? What are the what are the main aims and ambitions? Um, I suppose just to keep building on on what we're doing. Um, I enjoy the foaling, but the yearling and the sales side is really where my passion is. Um, I want to keep selling good quality horses. Um, you know, we, this is the first year that we, we're going to have yearlings at every single sale between Ireland and England. The only place we're not going is France. I've never, never consigned in Donny before. We've horses there this year. Um, we had book one horses last year and a few years ago. We've book one horses again this year. Keep building on, you know, those good sales and trying to achieve the the best prices for, for my clients and Hopefully my pin hooks um, that I have with a couple of friends sell well too and keep keep pin hooking a few every year as well. And has there been good pin hooking success for you in those pals? Um, to be honest, the, the pals I'm pin hooking with at the minute, this is our first time pin hooking together. We've d- both done a little bit separately, but we decided to join forces there last year and kind of put a, a little bit more money into it. Um, obviously pin hooking is, is difficult enough. And with the price of folds going up, you know, you want to be got, buying good quality and being able to play. So we've kind of joined forces. So this is the first venture for, for the new contingency, shall we say. I look forward to reading about lots of success. How's dad since he retired? Hands off or hands on at home? He's, he's hands on. He's still riding out um, two mornings a week in Grandis, goes down and ride, rides work. And then he's he's always pottering around the place and giving us a hand. I'm pretty sure he's home there at the minute and overseeing everything while, while I'm in Newmarket for the few days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're there ahead of the July meeting. So it's another busy time. Absolutely. Um, Granda has five horses in training over here. So I'm o- or over overseeing that and just giving a hand and hopefully... We'll have a, a good sale as well. I'm sure you will. Um, Claire, thanks ever so much for your time and good luck going forward. Thanks, Tom. And then I've got a tip. All right. Thank you to Tom, to all my guests today. Cornelius Lysett remains with me. Uh, Cornelius, before we get a selection for you for um, a little later on in the day or perhaps mm. later on in the week, uh, let's just quickly reflect upon your visit to Worcester yesterday, which can confirm something we, we teed up on the pod last week, which was that... You did. Sean Bowen is absolutely flying and is now as short as five to four to be champion jockey uh, in, well, he'll be crowned in late April, early May 2024, if that's the case. Mm. Well, look, I love jockeys championships. Lots of people don't, but 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 I do, particularly in jumping 12 months a year. It's a gigantic uh, achievement to be champion jockey. So quite what, where you put AP McCoy having won 20 of them and I, th- I think the other thing about championships is that people not necessarily people who follow racing in depth every day but people who have an interest in racing they can really latch on to athletes uh, performing and uh, competing against each other to try and be champions and the other thing of course is that champions are remembered in the record books for for decades for for centuries to come and maybe you're you're, you're right and you alluded to alluded to it on the pod the other day the jumping championship in britain is perhaps most intriguing at the moment i know before you shout at your speaker i know that we're only nine and a half weeks into a 52 uh, week uh, season but uh, you're right sean bone is building up a very healthy lead through the summer two more at worcester yesterday brought up the half century and took him on to 51, 51, 41, 31, 28. So he's 23 
in front of the reigning champion, uh, Brian Hughes, with Harry Cobden a further three away on 25. Uh, but Sean Byrne, extraordinarily skillful, very popular rider. Um, he, he is a, a slightly new, newer name for people to really uh, latch on to, or slightly different name for people to latch on to. Another, we talked about racing families earlier in the, post, in the podcast, uh, another one from a racing family in West Wales, dripping with racing heritage. One of those winners yesterday was trained by his dad, Peter, his mum was there, his brother James, recovering from injury, was there. Uh, and uh, the smiles were broad. They are really, they're beginning to see the possibility that this dream that's been going on for some time uh, could be pulled off. So well done to uh, Sean Bowen at getting uh, to the um, the 50. Very quick word on the other championships at the moment. They are worth mentioning, the other championships in these islands. William Buick and Oshin Murphy going at it hammer and tongs on the flat with Joe Fanning and Tom Marquand not far away. In Ireland, could be a fantastic tussle. Ryan Moore and Gary Carroll disputing the lead at the moment, as we record this, with Billy Lee and Colin Keane not too far behind. And amongst the jump jockeys in Ireland, Patrick Mullins leading the charge, uh, ahead of a 17-year-old from County Galway, Danny Gilligan, whose brothers Liam and Jack, uh, both uh, jockeys as well, Paul Gilligan, uh, their father, a, a trainer. And I suspect 17-year-old Danny, is, who's been riding a lot for Gordon Elliott, taking advantage of the misfortune of other riders who are injured, is going to be a very big story when the season really gets going in Ireland and in Britain from sort of October time. The jump season really gets going from October time onwards. All right, Cornelius. Um, have you got a tip for me? Yes. Um, Pontefract. Love a bit of Ponty. Pontefract. 4.30. Um, there is a See the Stars filly that costs 265,000 guineas that is making her debut in a handicap. She's trained by Sir Mark Prescott. She has run in three uh, races to qualify over one mile. That was between August and October last year. She's racing for her handicap debut over a mile and a half. She is called Spritzin, and she runs in the 4.30 at Pontefract. All right, Cornelius, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Tom as well. We will be back tomorrow morning, bright and early. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.